And my thing was in all of these podcasts, they were missing the inherent humor in the subject of talking about people in tights and capes with power. They were like so serious. And I was like, you're missing <laughs> all the jokes here. What are you doing? <laughs> Welcome to Revelations, the place where we communicate truth to power. I am Cole Johnson, and I am so glad that you're able to join us. In a slight tangent away from the usual way we do this show, our next guest reminds us it's good to laugh every once in a while. Ladies and gentlemen, the host of the Now on Hiatus Trivia Geeks Live and one half of the Jock and Nerd podcast, plus the producer of said show, Emron Javed. Emron is his name, and this is his revelation. Ron Chavez, I mean, <laughs> Emron Javed. Cole, that's my alias. Now the government knows where I am. You just ah, my spot. Oh, my name is Got it. Uh. Chavez. <laughs> uh, it's a, a wonderful to be here, Cole. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm like super excited to finally get to meet you. Likewise, man. We travel in the same like podcast online groups, and we know the guys from Voice from the Underground. Mm. And I already feel like I know you without even having ever spoken to you because I've heard you on uh, Voice from the Underground. I am the nerd half of the Jock and Nerd podcast. That is also a very important distinction because some people think I'm the jock, and I don't know how they can think I'm the jock. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, all right. Yes, all right. For those, for posterity purposes, yes. Imran yes. Javed. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Imran, I, I, with first-time guests, I love to want to get to know more about the person. So... This first segment is called Open the Way. You are, sir, from the Windy City. Yes. Yeah. It's a rainy city at the moment. Lots of rain. Not yes. a bad thing. Uh, so how was it for you growing up in uh, Chicago? Well, uh, like I'm going to tell you, I, you I, this is a very, I feel like I'm a very unique, I have a very unique set of circumstances growing up in Chicago that kind of made me who I am. Uh, and I don't think you're going to meet anyone with this specific set of things. So I'm, uh, my name is Imran. Obviously I'm uh, born of a Pakistani immigrant family, first generation, born here, raised Muslim. And then on top of that, when I was about six years old, I developed uh, what's known as vitiligo, which is uh, the skin disorder that where your melanin in your skin, which is your pigment, protects you from ultraviolet rays, slowly starts to get destroyed. And so I was born a little brown child and literally grew up into a white man. Uh, and there's a lot of good things about that last part. Nowadays, I didn't know that was going to happen that way. 
But hey, what are you going to do? So, you know, growing up on uh, largely the Indian part of Chicago, Devon Avenue, which if you've never been to Chicago, it's a kind of internationally known now. There's a, a street that's like you go there and you feel like you're on a street in, in Karachi or a street in India, like Indian restaurants and uh, Indian families all grew up there. And it's, it's, it's pretty amazing what they've done. But so growing up, I always looked different. The vitiligo started around my eyes and then I looked like a raccoon and it was patchy and slowly uh, off your joints, parts of your body that are exposed to the sun, the pigment goes away farther. And it wasn't until like my late twenties that now, like I have no more of my, I can't even find my original pigment to like show people. So people don't believe me when I was like, I'm really a brown guy and I turned white. I know it's very weird, but uh, vitiligo is weird sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, so that is to say, growing up, uh, the vitiligo became an important part of me because I learned, I dealt with a lot, you know, people staring at you ever since you're a little kid, people talking like about you right in front of you, thinking they can't hear you. Uh, and of course, kids can be cruel, but I always felt it took me years to like, uh, uh, come to this conclusion that if I didn't have this vitiligo, I probably would have, I would have been a jerk. I probably would have been a really mean person because I wouldn't have been able to experience, you know, being outwardly different and, uh, and being ostracized and kind of all that stuff. So it was rough while it happened, but I think it really, it made me a better person. And I was able to finally come to, 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 to accept it and to actually love being that unique that I, I grew up with this and I have this one. The Ligo, and then the whole upbringing of, you know, being raised Muslim, you would never guess looking at me that I'm like a Pakistani raised Muslim. And people, it's hilarious. People think I'm from uh, Greece. People think I'm Jewish. People think I'm Mexican. Like, I love that no one can figure out where I'm from. Hmm. And I'm trying to think you being a mean person. Look, look for those who don't know Imran, uh, I can think of many adjectives. Mean is not one of them. No, and I don't. I don't even think I have it in me. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember in my youth where, like, you know, at one point you realize that like girls are attracted to for some reason. Like, why? I'm like, all right, let me try this, and I could. I just, I couldn't do it. I'm like, no, nope, I can't. I can't even try. I can't even pretend to be that person. <laughs> it's just. It, I'm like, that's yeah, fine. <laughs> That's fine. I'll just be the nice guy. I, I definitely wanted to touch on uh, vitiligo later, and I will. Yeah. And definitely, if, oh, I'll touch on it now. Muslim. Yes. Okay. Being reared in a Muslim household, how has it been for you in terms of when you tell someone or if someone knows it about you that you grew up with the Islamic faith? You know, uh, it wasn't a big deal until immediately after like 9-11. I remember. What a shock. Yes, right? Shocking. The suit, I was at a Super Bowl party that, that, that the Super Bowl right after 9-11 happened and it was, it was some guy's house. I did not know him. It was a white dude. It was a friend of a friend. And I eventually met the host and it came out that I was like Pakistani and Muslim. At the party, and I remember him loudly, like the whole party. All of a sudden, he's like, "There's a Pakistani in my house." I was like, "Yeah, dude, we're just like the rest of you." I mean, <laughs> here's the thing: I'm not like the best representative of Muslim 
or Pakistani because I'm about as like American homogenized. You know, I'm not very religious. Don't tell my mom. She still thinks I am. But I'm like, <laughs> got a beer in my hand. I'm eating pepperoni pizza. I'm like, dude, the Pakistan is fine. Relax. So, uh, it's, uh, growing up, uh, you know, I went, we, it was the same thing. I went to Sunday school and, uh, you got to learn to read Arabic and you learn to read the whole Holy Quran in Arabic when you're little, uh, and you have your communities. But unlike everyone else I grew up with, I, I just, I feel like it didn't really stick. Like I, when I was young, I started, I, I really enjoyed studying other religions. I enjoyed the fables. So I read about, about, you know, Christianity, Judaism. Uh, Buddhism, anything different. And I just enjoyed the stories. Uh, but I think the one thing that was different for me was the way I looked. The vitiligo made me realize I, I just felt I never fit in anywhere. Like I didn't fit in with like the Pakistani kids or the Muslim kids or just like, cause I was so different and just on my own side. I always felt like some of these kids thought they were better than me. I felt like the real, the kind of the religious kids were a little judgy kind of turned me off but i did go through in my late teens early adult as you do when you're trying to find yourself i went through like a super crazy like religious period where i was real i was trying to like i fasted the whole 30 days i was trying to and it was just an early it was like senior year in college like i prayed five times a day but then as you do in college you discover things and uh then it was over i was like oh wait this is way more fun uh, I'm done with all this stuff. That's, you know, I still feel like I'm very spiritual, but like the organized religion part of it always uh, kind of rubs me the wrong way a little bit. That is interesting, actually. Uh, <laughs> all right. Before I go on to the next segment, I, I have to do a, a slight hard turn and ask this one question. So I have set this all up. You being a Chicago native. Yeah. You, you were born there. You grew up there. You live there now as an adult. So I look at this picture of you and I believe your wife. Yeah. And it's like, okay, it's a Chicago native, but he's a Packers fan. Well, I'm not. My you wife have is. to describe that to me, please. Okay. 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 Let's just get into this. So my wife, born and raised in Wisconsin, you know, her family, even our dogs were raised in Wisconsin, like born in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. They're all, as if you've ever been to Wisconsin, that's all they have. Think all it's only they only got the, the Packers everywhere you go. It's kind of like a creepy cult. People, I find it kind of strange. Like everywhere, it's all. I'm like, this is it, you guys. Really? This is all you have. You can't talk about anything else. So I was kind of adopted into her family. And look, her, her, uh, my mother-in-law bought us tickets to a Christmas game at Lambeau Field, Bears versus Packers. Like that was like, I think that was my first football game. I've never been to a football game at Soldier Field, and we got a tour of Lambeau. It was actually really cool uh, to kind of get a tour of the facility, but I, I just don't care, <laughs> really. Now, I will say my dogs have, like, Packers uh, leashes and Packers <laughs> collars, and sometimes when we lived in the city, I'm like, ah, I don't know if we should. I, I might have to change this just because – but there seems to be a mutual respect. When we did go out, we would also, you know, Bears fans would chirp, but they were, they were joking, and then we'd run into other Packers fans. And but she's like, don't you want a jersey? We went to Wisconsin. Once. She's like, don't you want a jersey? Uh, I'm like, no. Everybody's wearing a jersey. I don't want to look like them. I want to have nothing to do with this. That's fine. Keep your jersey. So I'm not a Packers fan. I'm just married into a Packers fan family. 
Ah, okay. So the missus is a Packers fan. Okay. Yeah, I could care less. Whatever. I mean, I, I look. I was. I remember when the Bears won the Super Bowl. I, I was a kid. I memorized the whole Super Bowl shuffle. I used to sing it all the time because I was. <laughs> I think it got me into rap music at an early age. It was really bad, but uh, that was fun, and uh, yeah, yeah, I understand the culture. Okay, but so- that's a good question because if you look at my photos, it'd be like. <laughs> What's all this Packers crap around here? I thought he's from Chicago. Not, nah, I don't want to give him free advertising. That's the way I saw it. I was like, I don't care. Why am I giving you free advertising? Oh my goodness! So I hope that it clears is... up the Packers mystery. Yes. Yes, it, it it clears it up quite well now. Don't hold it against me, Chicagoans. Host of Trivia Geeks Live and the host and producer of the Jock and Nerd podcast, Imran Javed, joining me on Revelations, and he definitely opened the way quite well. And normally there's a segment called the Bridge the Bridge to Prosperity, but I'm going to eschew that for this episode because I got to get behind the purpose of this gentleman right away. So another thing outside of the fact that you got married into being a Packers fan, because yes, I, I know it, it's, it's sort of like the, the, the Jules character in, in Pulp Fiction. Yes. Yeah. My wife's a vegetarian, which pretty much makes me a vegetarian. So yeah, your yeah. wife's a Packers fan. It pretty much makes you yeah. one. So I get that fully. But I, I buy the coffee here and when I buy it, it's good coffee. <laughs> Don't you jimmy me, Jules. Don't you jimmy me. Sorry, I could do that whole movie. Pulp Fiction. Oh, I, oh, I can go there with you, too. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah. And you segue perfectly into what I was going to ask you. Humor is so huge with you. And, 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 and just seeing how you are as jovial and as lighthearted as you have been, you have to describe how humor has been such an important part of your life. Man, I'm I'm uh, I'm you, you picked that up. You are very observant, Cole. And I think it goes back to, like I said, I grew up in Vitiligo, so I did it. I never wore shorts. I never played sports. Didn't really go out much because the Vitiligo, uh, you know, sun exposure is not good. You can't, you get burned. So literally television was one of my best friends uh, growing up. It raised me, but it gave me, uh, 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 an appreciation for legendary comedy shows and legendary comics, everything from Jackie Gleason, Honeymooners, Lucille Ball, uh, you know, Three's Company, the Three Stooges, uh, and and my sister also. We would watch stand up comedy. Uh, I remember discovering the movie Airplane when I was very young, and it was just the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was an escape from uh, kind of. The stuff I was going through in life, it, it, laughter is, they say laughter is the best medicine. And it really, it, it brings endorphins. It makes you feel good. It can diffuse any kind of tense situation. Every, there's huge comedy in everything. Everyone loves to laugh. But I really, I just appreciated comedy from TV and movies um, to the point where right now, my sister for about a year has been dabbling in uh, stand-up comedy. And she's, she's a, she does a number of shows in Washington, D.C., open mics, host open mics. 
She's coming to Chicago for uh, she got accepted to the Women's Comedy Festival this weekend. She's doing a set there and read some of the best connection. Like I've had my sister was helping her write jokes. And I know that this could be a job like you could just write jokes and help. And both of us have kind of the similar sense of humor. And I was like, this is so much fun to help you write jokes at the sea. She would send me videos. And I was like, oh, that joke killed. I helped her write that. That's amazing. But just generally in life, my philosophy is that like, you got to have fun no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. Otherwise, what is the point? You know, I'm never like too serious, almost to a fault. Uh, I can't, I'm not serious, but that's, that's just my quirk. I can see the lighter side of things and I can definitely see other people's points of view and other people's perspectives and Sometimes you got to laugh, man. Things are so ridiculous that you just, you just got to laugh. Oh yeah. Totally agree with that. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, cause I had to, I had to dig that way because I'm like, okay, I'm hearing him. He's a, he's he, in a good way. I say this, he's a goofball on Jack a nerd. <laughs> he's a goofball on other things I've heard him on. Uh, humor is huge with this guy. So I got to see how huge it is. And you you act like you do this, sir. Uh, you segue me into the right question I wanted to ask you next. Well, look at this. I'm reading <laughs> people's minds. <laughs> yes. Like I read my wife's mind. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that, you'd be the richest man in the world. But I really uh, would. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about your sister, and you say that she is a comedian now in D.C. Yeah. Was she funny when you two were growing up? Uh, you know, it's it, this is kind of, people who know me are surprised that they know both of us, that she's the one that ended up going into stand-up comedy. Uh, we both had the same, we'd like to laugh at the same things. I was more funny growing up. She's definitely the smarter one. So the way I explain it, I got all like the artistic talent. She got all the brains. So even now, it's, and then she was funny amongst her friends. So her style of comedy, she enjoys the writing process where my thing is more kind of spontaneous off the cuff. I just love, you know, playing with an idea. Her thing is definitely, she loves the craft of writing and, and delivering, but we're both been performers. We both, we did a lot of pl uh, plays and musicals in high school and college. And uh, I've done a little bit of everything. I play guitar and, uh, you know, I'm also an illustrator, graphic designer. It's all just kind of a performance. It's a kind of an artistic, different ways to express yourself artistically. And I think they all kind of cross over. Uh, I actually tried briefly. I wanted to do stand-up comedy. I went, so it was many years ago. I went up for this open mic. It was not the best day. Here's what happened. It was February 14th. I don't know why I decided on Valentine's Day. So for the first time to try stand-up comedy. Anyway, so I went. There's nobody there except the other comics. And uh, I made some of the other comics laugh. And they were like, you know, come back next week. We can give you more time. And I just never came back. And, you know, one of those things I probably regret. But now with the podcast, I feel like I, it's, it's, a better, it's a better format for me where I could just let the jokes fly and play with things and come up with things on the spot and be and a little bit of improv. So now I feel like I have this audience every week coming to hear me make dumb jokes and just be myself and have a good time. And, you know, I, in terms of performance, my rule is if you are enjoying yourself on stage, the audience has no choice but to enjoy themselves also.
Like they can't help it. And that's the vibe you do have. I, I can honestly, as a listener uh, of, of your products, <laughs> that is the vibe I get. It's like, well, man, it's, it's really hard to be, I hate this. Yeah. Mm. Because I'm, I'm hearing, I'm hearing this jovial person who obviously is enjoying what he's putting forth. And I'm, and I'm like, okay, well, dang, this is kind of funny. Uh, wow, that is kind of funny. Man, this dude, this dude is funny. Okay, all right. No, and, thank you. People then I forget. Chirp- I'm, then I forget why I'm angry. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. And I, you know, people chirp me a lot. They, I'm the guy. My role is like I love everything. Kind of like Kevin Smith. It's look. It's I can see to some people it's annoying. But I uh, sincerely, I can always see the good stuff and everything. And I do love everything. And life is too short to hate or worry. Like, you know, in terms of the superhero and comic book things we have, like when I was a kid, all we had was, uh, you know, Linda Carter, Wonder Woman, uh, Bill Bixby, Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk, really bad live action Spider-Man, Adam West, 66 Batman. And now that there's all this stuff out there, that little kid me would have just uh lost is cool over like how could i not try to enjoy even the worst of the worst how could i not try to enjoy what we have kids these days they don't know how good they have it <laughs> no no they don't and 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 i do wish that they had the that they have the entertainment now that we had back then too yeah 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 mm-hmm. And, and yes, I know I know some it's like well no you really can't say that stuff now i get that but there's other stuff, like off the top of my head, Carol Burnett show. I wish there was a variety oh, TV show yeah. like that today. Man, Carol Burnett, genius show. And uh, the, the guy who played Dorf, just uh, uh, Tim Conway. You still love Tim Conway? Carol Burnett. You know what they did recently, which is amazing. I don't know. I think you may be able to find it online on demand. Uh, ABC did a live reading of uh, an episode of All in the Family and an episode of The Jeffersons. They did not change the script at all. You had Woody Harrelson playing Archie Bunker, Jamie Foxx playing George Jefferson, bunch of other stars playing Meathead and Gloria, and it was in front of a live audience, and it was it was amazing. It was like this was the golden age of TV uh, with with you know amazing satire, political commentary, and like you said, you can't say these things today, but they did. They they didn't change. Any of the script, it was ballsy and it was amazing. It was really well done. Yeah, yeah, which which does go back to show you that funny is funny. Funny is funny. Yeah, and yeah, I miss those shows, and I miss I, I miss the presentation of those shows because they, you know, it, you, you hear you hear things like stick to sports and those types of com- comments of in the nature and in the vein of you're in this lane, just stay in your lane. Yeah. But these comedic shows, yeah, it was funny. But man, you learned a lot. Yeah, just from those, just from those thirty minutes or twenty-two, if you take out the commercials, yep. you learned a lot. Yeah. And they spoke about a lot of issues, even in the humor. And I've always appreciated that about that type of comedy back then. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, there are still you have some people trying to still be true and and speak about. Uh, you know, most recently there was a show called the Gerard Carmichael show. It was a comic Gerard Carmichael had, uh, and it was, it was a set. It was like a multi-cam sitcom in front of a live audience. David Allen Greer was playing his father. And this to me was like a black version of all in the family. Like they really went there. David Allen Greer was great. There was like mm-hmm. an episode where 
a Muslim family moves in next door and he gets all suspicious and stereotypy towards them, but then eventually learns uh, to meet them. But the jokes are great. And I was really impressed with how they were able to talk about these. Every episode was a hard hitting social issue uh, in a, in this, in, in 30 minutes and the jokes were there and you could relate to them. And uh, that again was very brave. I don't, I think they had maybe one or two seasons. It's not on, but I would love to see more shows like that come back. I would too. It, it it gives you a good glimpse into really how life really is in terms yeah. of what you don't see news cover, what you don't see documentaries cover. It's almost it's almost as if it's like a you 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 take the behind the curtain approach to the entertainment where it's like, yeah, this is how we pretty much are, but you do this under the guise of humor. And you could say, well, it lightens the, it lightens it up, but it doesn't really lighten it up more as much as it does, uh, give it more of a humanistic viewpoint and, yeah. and twist. And yeah, I've always appreciated that about those types of shows. I mean, like you said, humor is universal and it is one of the mm-hmm. best ways to, to, to introduce topics and talk about things. Oh man, I got to ask you this question now. I think when I got an understanding as to who Emron was from a standpoint of the, the content that you put forth, I heard this show called trivia geeks live. And, yeah. and so I listened and I, I heard a couple of Jock and nerd podcast episodes before. And then I, I hear the, the intro to throw to you and I hear you and I'm saying to myself, as I'm listening through the whole show, like this guy looks like he was born to be a game show host. <laughs> oh Secretly, my word. I, I've always wanted to, I'll be honest. I've always wanted to host a game show or really mm-hmm. what I've always wanted is like a, a late night talk show slash game show. Just cause I've always, I love talking to people. I love finding out their stories. Everyone has a story, like whether they know it or not, everyone has a great story. You just got to find it. But then hosting a game show, just like, Looked like so much fun. And that show, I started as a contestant. Then I was like a captain. And the next thing I know, they're like, hey, you want to host the show? I was like, okay. And it is uh, it is a lot of fun. Uh, running it production-wise, it's, it's kind of tricky because I'm doing all that, Cole. But I'm also, at the same time, I got a timer going. I'm keeping track of points. I got the questions. I got to make sure everything's up there. It is like steering a, tr- a train wreck, you know, and avoiding missing the wall. <laughs> You know, I'm trying not to crash, but it's what I love about the show is like, you don't know what's going to happen. And, uh, it's just, a, and it's, I love the, the, the way we had it, that it's just a fun way to promote other podcasts because the, you know, other podcasters will come on and either they would be on the same team or they would go up against each other. But I, I love that, uh, Blazing Caribou Studios gave me the opportunity to kind of fulfill a lifelong dream. You know, who my favorite uh, well, was he a Muppet or on Sesame Street? Guy Smiley. Remember Guy Smiley? He was the game show host guy. Oh my, on, yes, I do. On Sesame Street. I was like, I want to be that guy. I don't know. It's just, and now look at the state of game shows. Dude, they've brought back all these game shows from the 70s and they're all hosted by, uh, celebrities. You got like Alec Baldwin and, uh, 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 who's the other guy? Uh, Elizabeth Banks hosts one. And, uh, I mean, Jamie Foxx is hosting a Shazam yeah. game. What? What is this? Like, it's crazy. You got Steve Harvey who hosts a family uh, feud now. Mm-hmm. Joel McHale is hosting one. Uh, so I, it's kind of fun to see these game shows come back. 
but it's like it's a really fun uh thing to host because you kind of just can uh, you can drive the conversation. You don't really have to. I don't have to know any of the answers. I got everything right there. I feel like I know everything. I feel like <laughs> the smartest guy in the room, even though it's just written there. Uh, but it's a lot. It's a fun show. It's a fun show to do. I'm glad it comes across that way too. Clearly, it does. It does. Uh, but uh, they're a great group of people. So yeah, the show's kind of on hold just because of logistical reasons. Sometimes it's hard. Five people. Everybody schedule everybody at the same time. Uh, it gets tricky. Host of Trivia Geeks Live and one half of the Jock and Nerd podcast, the producer of the show, Imran Javed, joins me on Revelations. And we segued into just our thoughts. And I wanted to get into his mind as to not just how he is behind the mic, but also with art. Since he loves comics, I seem to think that he also loves art. So how did he get into being so artistic? Take a listen. What I've always wanted to do, I've always been drawing ever since I was a little kid. It's my, uh, you know, and that my love for comics also ties into that. Uh, when I was about 10 or 11, my cousins gave me two big garbage bags full of random Marvel comics from the 70s and 80s and Archie comics. And uh, that I, that was it. I was hooked. I was drawing Spider-Man. I've loved Spider-Man since before I could draw. I've had like Spider-Man toys since I was little. But I've always uh, been kind of drawing ever since I was a kid. I wanted to become a comic book writer or a comic book illustrator, do cartoons. I made I, for the newspaper in high school. I did a comic strip. Uh, and then I eventually went to uh, Pratt Institute in Brooklyn for illustration uh, because I wanted to be an illustrator. And I, it, was a, it was a great experience, great school. But I learned once I came out that like it's really hard to be just like a freelance illustrator to market yourself. There's uh, and then there's all these graphic design jobs, and they actually have you know benefits and life insurance and some stability. I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm doing this now. Uh, and I also learned uh, how to do websites because the problem with graduating, I graduated like late '90s. Uh, I feel like I went to school in this weird digital divide. Up until the graduation, we were still talking about taking your physical portfolio to agencies, you know, making cards and mailers, mailing them out, calling, cold calling people, sending the marketing pieces. The minute I graduate, uh, there are jobs for website designers and the school starts teaching a web design class after I leave and how to do websites. So I have to go take another boot camp, learn HTML. Uh, and uh, fit that in. And that's how I kind of got the door into a job. I built them a quick website, but then did some package design and graphic design. Uh, and really it was like, I came from illustration, but they were like, can you make a box? I was like, I've seen boxes my whole life. I see boxes when I go to the store. Yeah, I can make a box. I don't go inside a box. So the, the, you know, the, in terms of layout and illustration is the same as graphic design. You just need to communicate a message with words and pictures. 
uh, communicate uh, an, an issue or a concept. And, uh, and same thing with kind of comic books, sequential arts, communicate a story uh, through pictures. And uh, that that's kind of where I ended up. So for my day job, I'm actually kind of, I'm a graphic designer at an in-house creative uh, department, but I do a little bit of everything, some motion graphics. I learned some After Effects. I still love to draw. I get to add illustrations. Um, I'll do some voiceover work for the TV department. I'll do whatever is kind of creative, designing different things. So, and the beauty of the podcast was when I we started doing this, everything I loved, everything I learned up until that point, being, uh, you know, I drew our logo. I, I set up our website. I, I, I had, I had recorded sound. I was in a band. I was a sound man in a bar for a couple of years. I'd been in a studio. I knew how to record. I knew how to work with audio and I enjoyed all of these things. And I love to talk and I love comic books. I was like, this is everything I love all rolled up into one thing. Podcasting. Why have I waited so long to do this? Oh my gosh. Yes. This medium is absolutely perfect for you. Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, the performance aspect too, because we've, I've, like I said, I've done theater and I just, I like making people laugh. I like making people feel good. It is so great to be able to do all these things in, in one medium and be able to do it all yourself. And I, I realize that's, that's rare for people. I know a lot of people have to outsource things and I get that, but like, I just, it's just, it was so exciting. And still four and a half years later, I, every week I'm still excited to sit down and hang out with Anthony and Rugboy and record a show. Uh, it, the, 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 the excitement hasn't gone away. It's not, not gotten burned out at all. There's always stuff to talk about too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely shows. It, it definitely shows. This, this you make this so easy for me so you just throw me one thing just wind me up and watch me go oh, boy. Mm-hmm. and yeah. then and then you segue me perfectly into the next one oh like like you like you do this so you're you so the jock and her podcast yes we've mentioned this all throughout the show and we will talk about it now is one with basically two co-hosts and other characters correct to kindly put it in brass tacks he's a felty american <laughs> otherwise known as a puppet. a puppet on a podcast that simmer around in your brain for a little while a felty american that felty is beautiful <laughs> let's not be feltist here they have rights too oh my gosh all right so uh, a felty american aside Yes. Uh, <laughs> you have a co-host. So your partnership with Anthony began when? Uh, so we worked together and around 2011. Uh, so we worked in separate departments. Like he was in sales. I was in creative. Normally, Ooh. I never would have talked to someone like him who's like, He's in shape. He takes care of himself. He likes to go to concerts. You know, he's really, he's, he's a hit with the ladies. He's the jock, right? He's a jock. There's no way I would ever hang out with anybody like that. But our secretary, who was lovely at the time, she was like, she knew I liked comics and she knew Anthony liked comics. And she's like, hey, you should talk to Anthony. He, I was like, he likes comics? Get out of here. So then we discovered that he got into comics because of the Marvel movies starting in 2008 and Iron Man that got him hooked. And then he started reading comic books 
And my my thing at the time was I had stopped reading comics for like the last 15 years just because I, you know, I, I just lost interest. I moved on, but I read a lot of the great classic stuff. So we began talking. I would share with him classic things he needs to read. He would share with me recent awesome runs I need to read. Every Wednesday at work during lunch, we would go to the comic book store because Wednesday is new comic book day. If you're a comic book geek, it's one of the most exciting days of the week. So literally every week we would go to the comic book store. We would, we had a pull list. Uh, and also around this time we had shows like Arrow and Flash starting. There was maybe a handful of this new wave of superhero shows and we would watch them and we'd watch these movies and we talked about them in the car. And then one day he's like, we should do a podcast. And at the time I had been listening to podcasts like TV recap podcasts, comic book podcasts. And my thing was in all of these podcasts, they were missing the inherent humor in the subject of talking about people in tights and capes with power. They were like so serious. And I was like, you're missing <laughs> all the jokes here. What are you doing? <laughs> so the minute he said, let's start a podcast, uh, that got me going. And in fact, I've been listening to podcasts since about 2005. I have a book. My sister sent me for my birthday. It was a how to podcast book. I, when I started in 2015, I pulled this book out. I was like, let me look at this book. Let me look at the copyright. It was copyright 2005. She sent it to me in 2005. I was like, man, I should have started one then. Oh, well, let's start one now. And within two weeks, I had everything set up. I had our logo done. I had a website ready. We were ready to record. I bought all the equipment. I learned how to set up an RSS feed. I got all the hosting because uh, I get obsessed. But Cole, there's a, a backstory. So, like, I have stories within stories. Oh, I'm interested to hear this backstory. This is what happened. Around this same time that Anthony says we should do a podcast, uh, my wife has uh, this medical condition she's had where she it kind of looks like epilepsy. She has uh, some uh, small, uh, what do you call, seizures, not really seizures, some kind of neurological twitching. We we're trying to figure out what's going on here. We, you know, she had gone through... MRIs and uh, other things. And we end up at Northwestern Hospital and they do an MRI and they come back and they're like, hey, there's a meningioma, which is a small benign tumor on the outside layer of your brain. He's like, we don't know if this is causing the issue. We would recommend removing it though so it doesn't grow. And she's like, okay. And then they're like, ah, we do this every Thursday. Just pick a Thursday. Come on down. <laughs> Just like it's no big deal. Like it's an oil change. We're like, okay, fine. So, and she wants to get it done right away. She, she gets, uh, she signs up for like two weeks later. We go in. Uh, I'm in the waiting room. They're like, we'll call you in two hours. Let you know. I'm in the waiting room. An hour and a half goes by. The phone rings. They're like, we're done. We're stapling her up. I was like, these guys are good. Like, and I imagine the guys does like five of these every day. And so I go back and see her and it was, it was pretty wild because she had 60 staples like staple gun staples along the side of her head. They literally opened her up, took out a little thing, put it back, stapled her back up. Wow. Uh, so, and she's fine now. Like you wouldn't even know uh, that this happened. Uh, but during this time is exactly when Anthony's like, let's start a podcast. So I'm in the hospital for two weeks, caring for her, and, uh, you know, just being by her side. Really, I have nothing to do but research how to set up a podcast. I do all the research, all the artwork. I buy all the stuff on Amazon, put it all together. And I don't know if it wouldn't have happened if my wife didn't need brain surgery. Maybe it would have taken longer. 
But I also, I got super excited. I had that feeling that made it Anthony said it, that like, this is something that's going to be really special. Like I just like that kind of weird, like butterfly feeling inside where you're excited and scared, but it feels really good. Like you should have done this a long time ago. Uh, and that feeling still continues. Now, side note, the story, the, the surgeon who did the surgery, he was the head of neurology at Northwestern. He had a, he was running a, uh, he was doing a test. He was trying to figure out how to reverse brain cancer. He was like this big dude, right? So he does this surgery. We go back a month later for the follow-up and we meet him and he's like, looks great. Everything's fine. We're like, thanks doc. Literally two weeks later after that, I read in the paper, the dude dies in his sleep at like a young age. And it wasn't even, it was a heart related problem, but yeah, it was a wild like cap to this whole brain surgery journey. I was like, that dude was in your head and now he just died. And it was, it was just wild how things happen sometime. Uh, but this guy, you know, I imagine these brain surgeons are under a lot of stress and it stresses out their heart. I would think a heart surgeon too. Like that's a crazy job. Like you were opening up someone's head every day, multiple people's heads poking around in their brain. Um, it's just a crazy, crazy coincidence. And I'm like, I can't believe that guy's dead now. Uh, so, but yeah, that's when, that's how we started the podcast. And it's been going strong ever since. We haven't missed a week. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I got stories. I got, that's not, that's just, this is just a portion of them. But we made the show for us. I didn't hear a show like this. You know, I, I love Kevin Smith. It kind of has the, that flavor. Uh, but I, we just wanted a show. This is the show I would listen to. Is what I mean. 37. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How many? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Uh, sorry. When you say Kevin Smith, I just flash back to clerks. I'm so sorry. Oh, that was, yeah. <laughs> He's not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> oh, that, that is, a, and that movie is a prime example of how good writing will save anything. Movie has yeah. the worst filming, not good acting. Oh, the sound is horrible. The <laughs> editing is iffy. But man, the jokes are amazing. Saves the whole thing. I get you yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing that movie. You know, I think it was I was coming home from work. It was sometime in nine sometime in 90, 1997. And so yeah. I sit down to watch this black and white movie. I'm thinking, yeah. what type of horse mess is this? <laughs> Um, then and, and how you described it was exactly what was going into my brain. I'm like, man, this is horribly shot, horribly yeah. edited, yeah. horribly acted. Yep. But the one line is just kept. They kept coming. They just kept coming and just kept yeah. grabbing my interest. And then I ended up liking the film. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, that was huge for me. Is 1994? I was in I was in college. I hung out with a lot of film students. Sometimes I think I should have went to film school and made movies instead. But it was the first time you saw a dude make a movie about his friends and the little catchphrases they have and stuff, the little things yeah. they do that make it fun. I was like, you could do that. You could just, he just made a movie about him and his friends and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that combined 94 was the mid nineties was a great year for movie. Pulp fiction comes out in 94 right. comes out in 94, just amazing original movies, stuff we don't really see anymore these days. You know, it's a blessing and a curse to have the MCU at Disney be so huge, but they're definitely it's hard to make some original content uh, and and get it out there now in the big in the theaters anyways.
host of Trivia Geeks Live and the host and producer of the Jockadur podcast, Emron Javed, joining me on Revelations. And I have to bring it home. I have this one last segment. All right. And, and this segment is called Bring to Light. Earlier on the show, you talked about having vitiligo. Now, you've talked about the condition and what it does. Name an incident or a situation where vitiligo actually was a good thing for you. That's funny you should mention that. Uh, So my whole life, I was, you know, before I got used to and comfortable with it, I was always like, why? Why did this happen to me? Why would God put me through this? What is this test? Why do I have to have this? And then the day 9-11 happens, I'm like, oh, I think I may know what the bigger picture is here. Because when the, the, the flashback to, uh, from 9-11 in New York, all over the country, when Sikh people were, were being attacked, when people who weren't Muslim or Arab and they were just brown, just because everyone just thought brown people are bad for a while. And, you know, they didn't get it. I mean, you're attacking Sikh. I'm like, that's not even the right religion. And the, the continuing kind of, uh, you know, uh, attention, the kind of incidents fellow Pakistani and brown people have had, I have not had to go through any of that. I'm lucky enough because nobody knew. I was a brown guy on the inside when I look like a white guy on the outside, if you didn't know my name. Uh, and I was like, this is nuts because I should be getting, I should be getting these kind of attacks. I should be getting this kind of discrimination. And yet I get to skate and kind of see the other side as kind of like a secret double agent. You know, I don't, and you know, the other thing that's fun is when I go into like gas stations or bodegas that are, that are owned by Indian people and they're speaking Urdu and, they have no idea that I can understand everything they're saying. They have no clue. I'm like totally like a secret double agent spy. I can either w- infiltrate like a white supremacist group over here or infiltrate, a, you know, a terrorist cell, a, a volcano over here. I can go either way. You don't know which way this guy's going. It's, I still don't even know. So it's, it's, it's been weird because now at the same time, I haven't got to completely uh, enjoy any white privilege. Like, I don't see people holding doors for me. I don't know. I thought that was a thing that happens. Uh, not so much. Uh, and I'm not getting the promotions uh, you're supposed to get. I'm not getting, uh, you know, I can't just like in that Eddie Murphy sketch where the, uh, you know, they're on the bus and it breaks out into a party where he, dress, he dresses up as a white guy. Right? You ever seen that on SNL? I have seen that. <laughs> that I could relate. You understand how much I could relate to that exactly. Because that's literally what my life is, is me as Eddie Murphy in that sketch like all the time. Oh man, that is hilarious. Uh, yeah, I, I could picture how that would be. And <laughs> it, it's, it, it's humorous, but good Lord, it is so sad of commentary. Yes. Yeah. It's that one little hundred thousandth percentage that changes your skin color that just throws everything off. We're all the same people, man. I don't understand. Like, especially like if you look at Pakistan and India and Kashmir and the things going on now and like the Hindus you know, burning down mosques and extremist Islamic terrorists burning down churches. I'm like, you're all Indian people. You're all the same people. What are you doing? 
Like what? this does makes no sense. That's that, and and yeah, exactly. And and that's where I am with it. I'm like, okay, you're hating on individuals who don't look like you. Why? Yeah. What's the reason? What's the rationale? What's the purpose? Okay, uh, I don't get it. But because my thought, extremely similar to how I contacted you, was, man, this guy's story is really interesting. And it's not like mine. I want to hear it. Yeah, I mean, definitely, I've have I've you know, I appreciate my unique perspective and everything that's brought me here, and I always try to. I just, I can't, I can't think of things the same way as other people do. I never have. I've always just been kind of, you know, just off, off into space or off on this side, and I don't know why. That's just that it's everything you do, every experience you have, clearly makes you who you are. And uh, I just, I think about things very differently than a lot of people I find, which is, it's great for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, especially one as diverse as yours. I mean, uh, I, yeah, I, I just always have found that really interesting. And, and when I heard a bit of your story, I said, oh yeah, I know I got to bring him on to talk about this because I know I'm going to well, get in perspective that I think most of us never hear. I'm glad I could say that. And that's why podcasts like yours are important because people just need to talk and people just need to listen. That's Mm -hmm. all it comes down to. Just let, you know, let them talk. And it, you know, it, it brings, it makes the world smaller. You realize we are a lot more similar than we are different overall Mm -hmm. in general. Definitely. Everyone is a lot more similar. Yeah. They are different. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we all have families. We all want what's yeah. best for our homes. I mean, I don't think the nationality of the person or the look of the person changes the, the thought process. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that, that's always been something that's irked me to pieces. But, uh, I yeah. think when you, I think traveling is important. I think one of the things my parents did, uh, that was great was we, we traveled when we were young, went overseas, went to, Pakistan and London and when you're young and you travel and you realize people are doing the same thing on the other side of the planet like really like it makes the world smaller it puts everything into perspective I think a lot of times these guys who have issues is they've never just they've never left their town right you know they've never left their village they don't know any better yeah that is key right there you know the, the fact that the the scope is narrow yeah because the 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 life experience is narrow, and it's funny how geographically that has a, that plays a lot, yeah, into how they view other people because they view them from the narrow scope of their own lives. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've always found that amazing, and I, I think that's I think that's one brilliant analysis by you, by actually highlighting something that could be a good thing, but it's still horrible. <laughs> I'm glad I got one brilliant thought out on the show, Cole. I thought this was going to be a dumpster fire following up your great guest. But yes, I got one. <laughs> See, there you go. You, It was you, Cole. You brought it out of me. Ah, uh, Well, hey, what can I say? No, 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 no. It's the wonderful guests that do it. But uh, I have one more question for you. Uh, so as you know, in this wonderful country of ours, we are under the well, some would say regime. Hmm. <laughs> Others would say the president presidency yeah. of one Donald J. Trump. So yeah. my question to you, 
Pakistani Muslim. Yeah. How does America treat you now? Uh, and how have they changed up their treatment of you now versus before January 20th, 2017? You know, it's really sad to say this, but I feel like, hey, they've, they've moved off the Muslims and now everybody hates Mexicans and immigrants. Great. We have the targets off us. They're taking, but everyone takes their turn. <laughs> Every minority group will take its turn uh, being that target. And I'm like, all right. But here's, uh, in all reality, my mom, she is a light-skinned Pakistani. She looks Mexican. Very often when she's out, you know, Mexican people will come up and just start talking Spanish to her. And she's like, I'm sorry. But nowadays, when she goes out by herself, I'm always, in the back of my head, I'm always a little nervous now because she does look immigrant. She looks like two different immigrants that people have problems with these days. Luckily where we are, you know, in Chicago, near North Chicago, everything's super cool for the most time, for the most part. Uh, But I'm like, it just takes her being in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong guy thinking she's the wrong person. So, and I never had these thoughts before, but once Donald Trump kind of, you know, opened the door, uh, for white supremacist type people to actually come out. I know he didn't create them. They were always there. They were just hiding in the forest, apparently. I didn't know there were so many in Oregon and Washington. I, uh, shocking. But he, he just kind of opened the door and they're like, oh, we can come out now and spew our hate there. It just, it, it, it makes me nervous. The shootings at Christchurch, uh, mosques, uh, that, really disturbed me because I've been to prayer. I've been to mosque. You are literally standing there in a line with your back to the door, kind of just waiting to be shot. I mean, come on. That's nobody's watching. Like anybody can walk in and do anything when you are focused in prayer and you know, all our prayer is in lines and everything is done at the same time. But I'm like, I can't, that's the, that was the most frightening thing to think about. Like you would not expect it. And I, and I never thought I would get to that. So, but at the same time, I'm really like, I'm just, I'm, I'm really lightly Muslim in my day to day life. You know, it doesn't, uh, it, uh, there's nothing that comes across that I have to deal with all the time. And it's pretty much because of the, my, the vitiligo and uh, the whitewashing of the Imran, uh, is, <laughs> is what happened. Uh, and now my, oh my beard, my beard is all, uh, my beard is all, black and white and in different spots so the the vitiligo is affecting the hair follicles and causing white hair to grow in like symmetrical it's really weird it's i it's it's change it's it changes all the time uh so uh it it hasn't really been a problem but i I, you know i i'm i'm still kind of always try to stay alert and i do get nervous for my mom growing up now more than ever We have come to the end of the show. However, before I do let my guests go, this segment is called Plug Tuning. Plug and One. Plug oh, two. that's right. Plug Dude, one. De La Soul is my absolute favorite hip-hop band of all time. And they're one of mine, too. And, Number one. And it, this is always in honor of them. So 
plug away, sir. Where can the people find you? Well, you can find me at my podcast. Uh, visit jockandnerd.com uh, for all the links and how to subscribe. We're also on Facebook, uh, Twitter at Jock and Nerdcast, and Instagram at Jock and Nerd. I want to mention to the listener, the show, well, there's two shows in the feed when you subscribe. We kind of have something for everyone. The main show, Jock and Nerd Podcast, if you like Kevin Smith or The Weekly Planet or any of these geek shows, if you like comic book movies, you want to learn more, that's the show for you. A couple of months ago, Anthony started up a spinoff show. He loves Joe Rogan, and he loves just having a conversation. He's also, just like me, very curious. We love talking to people, learning from people. He started a spinoff show where it's just an unedited conversation, long form, in between episodes of the Jock and Air Podcast. So if you like jo- Joe Rogan, we got something for you. If you like Kevin Smith, we got something for you. We got something for everybody. Come on over, jockandnerd.com. Well, there you have it. The host of Trivia Geeks Live. Hopefully that will come back soon. Carrie, if you're listening to it, bring it back soon. I want to be on that show. And the host and producer of the Jock and Nerd podcast. I'm sorry. Jock and Nerd. There you go. I love how you did that. Imran Javed. Imran, this was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Cole. I could talk to you for hours. Same here, my brother. Same here. Friends, family, activities. You know, when we become adults, we we tend to veer away from what we are taught when we were younger, which is we shouldn't have a care in the world. But when you become an adult and you have all these responsibilities from bills to children to parents at times to co-workers and even if you're a boss, subordinates, and if you're a CEO, a whole business infrastructure, the proverb leaving your cares behind seems to lose It's luster because your whole life becomes nothing but a mountain of worry. The word says a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. And in this interview, that is what I learned the most that, you know, something, even though we have all of these concerns about life, it is always good to take time to enjoy all because It doesn't cost you a thing to chuckle at even the most mundane things of life. Many thanks to Imran. We appreciate his contribution on Revelations. And you can check out where you can find him, whether it's Trivia Geeks Live or the Jockaneur podcast in the show notes. For changing the world one conversation at a time. I am Cole Johnson, and this has been Revelations. For more on Revelations, go to Pippa, spelled P I P P A, dot I O, and all podcast directories. Music by Lakey Inspire.